Welcome to the Anchored in Truth podcast. Anchored in Truth is an online ministry of Safe Harbor Baptist in Georgetown, Kentucky. Visit us online at safeharborbaptist.org. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to read uh, from verses 46 through 52 together. And this is God's word. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet. But he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage, get up. He's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, the blind man, said to him, I want to see And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for being the the privilege of being able to gather here in this place together as your people to see brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping you, seeking you, seeking to glorify you in their lives. Such an encouragement to our souls, and we thank you for that gift. We thank you that we have the privilege of opening up your word and hearing from you. And we pray, Father, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see you more clearly today. Father, we're reminded in this passage of the grace that you have shown us, and the grace that you offer all people, and the kindness to see the one true living God every day in our lives. Lord, we are humbled and overwhelmed that you would show this kindness to us. Lord, we pray for many today who are traveling, who are sick and battling illnesses, We pray that you would strengthen and encourage them uh, for the days ahead, that you would bring healing and recovery to those who are in need of that. We pray that you would just encourage them by your presence. We pray for uh, the Kersey family and the the ministry of Crew in Central Kentucky on college campuses. We pray that you would uh, be with the Kerseys as we partner with them, that they would be effective and fruitful in ministering the gospel to college students at UK and Georgetown and other campuses here in this area, especially as students prepare to come back from the holidays. We pray that you would produce a harvest of people who love and follow Jesus through the ministry of crew. We pray for Grace Christian Church here in Georgetown and uh, the pastors and the staff who are leading that congregation. We pray that you would uh, strengthen them for the year ahead, that they would be faithful 
to speak your word and to be used by you in the ways that you've called them to here in Scott County. We pray for the country of Afghanistan uh, right now. We, we know that there's so many difficulties and trials in that country, and yet there are believers that remain in that dark place. We pray that you would strengthen and encourage those believers and that the gospel would continue to spread even in the face of persecution. Lord, we pray now that you would strengthen us through your word. And this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, you all may be seated. And at this time, uh, kids can make your way downstairs to your classes if you would like. Just want to say thank you for those of you who have reached out to me and have been praying for me to recover from my illness. It's been a long road. It's uh, been an illness that just doesn't seem to want to go away. And so I would not wish it on any of you all, and I hope nobody else gets it. But thank you all for all those who have uh, reached out and encouraged me over the last week or two. And I hope you all uh, enjoyed your week as well. Uh, This past week, uh, I, got, I received a word that a, the 15-year-old daughter of another pastor who's a, in a like-minded church in Virginia, Garrett, Garrett Kell is his name, uh, his daughter, 15, year old, 15 years old, started suffering seizures uh, that wouldn't end, and so they had to hospitalize her, and she remains in the ICU on a ventilator. Uh, and it's been interesting over the last week or week and a half since this has been going on, uh, this pastor has been kind of keeping a journal uh, online, just updating people on how they can be praying, but also uh, a way to express his ongoing faith and trust in the Lord, even through this this trial. And and uh, as he was keeping that journal, he received a reply from a man named Danny, who was a member of who is a member of his church in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, Danny is a man who began losing his sight when he was still in his 20s, and he's now in his 60s and has no sight at all. And yet, in spite of losing his sight all those years ago, his faith uh, remains firm in the Lord. And here's what Danny said to encourage uh, this pastor whose daughter is, is laying in the hospital. I want to read this for us. He said, Last night in your journal entry, you said... The journey ahead remains uncertain, but we know that we do not travel alone. The Lord leads us by the hand. Danny said this. He said, nobody knows this more than I do. The Lord quite literally leads me by many hands. In my unseen world, when I am lost and floundering around, a hand will often reach out and take my hand to guide me where I need to go. Do you know how wonderful it feels to have a reassuring hand reach out and take your own hand when you're helpless? And Danny went on to share that one of those hands that had reached out to him was the hand of this daughter who was now laying in the hospital, uh, who gently led him to a class at, at their church. Well, today we come to a passage in Mark, and we come across another blind man. A man who was blind and in need and desperate, but who also found Jesus leading him and guiding him where he needed to go. Why? 
because he saw the real Jesus. And he teaches us that we should strive to see Jesus as the blind man saw Jesus. All right, so we are finishing up a series this week in Mark 9 and 10 about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, there's all kinds of ideas in our world, even from church to church, about what it means to be a disciple. But we can rest assured, we can know as we look to God in His Word what it really means to follow Jesus. And we've seen things like the fact that people who follow Jesus are captured by the glory of who He is. It's intrigued them to the point that they are overwhelmed by the reality of Jesus Christ. We've seen that a disciple of Jesus lives with an awareness of their ongoing need for Him. A a disciple of Jesus is willing to make sacrifices and to sacrifice their own glory and their own goals to line those up with what God would have for them. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, today, God gives us the example of a blind man to teach us that disciples of Jesus simply want to see Him. They want to see Him in their life. They want to think about who He is. They want to know Him more clearly. And so I ask you this morning, how desperate are you to see Jesus? To see Jesus right now? To see Jesus eternally? To just be able to look on Him forever? Does that sound appealing to you? Is this something you want? Or something else sound better to you in your life? Well, how do we come to a place where we want to see Jesus? Well, we have to know who he is. And that's what we see in this chapter. Uh, The first thing we see is that we need to know that Jesus has come near to us. Jesus has just been teaching his disciples about who the greatest is in his kingdom. That the greatest is not those who seek greatness, but those who serve. That's what it means to be great in the eyes of God. And we need to hear this over and over again, don't we? Because we are all about trying to achieve greatness in our lives. We hear it all the time. And Jesus says, no, you don't have to achieve greatness. You have to serve in my name because you know me. And so that's what he's been teaching about, that it's not about power and prominence, but about serving. And with that fresh on their minds, the disciples and Jesus continue on their way to Jerusalem. That's where they're going. Jesus is on his way to being arrested and to the cross, and so he's trying to prepare them and teach them. And we see, we pick up in verse 46, it says that they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large crowd, and a large crowd with Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. Now notice right away that Jesus is with people. Jesus is not a king who just does his own thing and hopes that people will somehow find out about him. Jesus goes to the people. Why stop in this town of Jericho? 
It's only 18 miles outside of Jerusalem. His end goal is to get to Jerusalem, and yet he goes kind of out of his way to stop in this small town. And I think it's because he wants to show us one more time who this Jesus going to the cross is. That he came to be a savior for people. People who needed him. He wanted to show the crowd, including this poor blind man, that he came for them. That what he was about to do was for them. And that they had access to him. He wanted them to know who he was. You know, people all around us are like this crowd and this blind man, hurting and needing to see Jesus. Needing to know that they can come to Jesus where they are in their life. There's this huge lie out there that we can't come to Jesus where we are right now. That we have to do certain things before we can come to Him. And here we see Jesus came to them, and they didn't do anything except receive Him as coming near. But we see people all around us who are hurting and needing Jesus. And we just need to know he's already come near to us. We don't have to do anything else to get to him. He's there. He's right in front of you. Jesus is here. He came as a man. And he's given us his word to show us how near he is. That we could come to know him. And we can see him. And come into his presence boldly. The Bible tells us we can enter his presence. Presence with confidence, with boldness, because Jesus has given us that access. You know, the fact that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross means that he purchased the right, the privilege that you have to come to him. The things that you've done don't have to keep you from him any longer. Jesus has already sacrificed his life for those things. And so Jesus has come near, but will you come and see him? All right? So we see that Jesus, we need, that Jesus has come near. Secondly, we see that we can believe that Jesus will show us mercy. All right? Let's look at this one man in particular that was there in Jericho. Verse 46, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. Now, first we see we're given some pretty specific detail about this man. We're told his name. We're told who his father was. We're told about his state in life, that he was blind, that he was begging. It's no accident when the Bible gives us details about who people are. And I think Mark is specifically trying to bring our attention to focus on this one individual and the things about him that are true. This is a man who people could come up to later. They they could read the Bible and say, well, I'm going to go find this man and ask him what happened. But it also teaches us about what his lot in life was, right? Think about this. This is just one poor man out of thousands from one family along one particular road along the way between Jericho and Jerusalem, an unremarkable man, a man of no importance, who happens to be suffering with something that he can't solve. And Jesus interacts with him. 
And we don't know anything else really about Bartimaeus or how he knew of Jesus. But clearly he has heard something about Jesus Christ because he calls out to him. He's heard that somehow this man can help him. And as he passes by, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. You hear the desperation in this man's voice. I need mercy. Help me. Please, somebody, help me. And Bartimaeus, in saying this, is actually crying out to Jesus, the Messiah. When he says, Jesus, son of David, he's saying, Jesus, Savior. Because the son of David was the title all the way back to the Old Testament that the Jewish people used for the the Savior who was going to come. He would be a son of David. And so Bartimaeus didn't know Jesus' lineage. He didn't didn't know whose parents were or who his ancestors were, but he knew that he was the son of David. He believed he was the Savior, the Messiah. And so Jesus, here at this point in his life, think about what's happening. He is marching toward a universally important mission. The, the most important mission of history, right? All of history has been moving towards this moment in what Jesus is about to do, where he's going to offer himself up as a sacrifice in the place of sinful people so that sinners might be saved, so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. That's the mission that Jesus is on. And you could argue that Jesus would be too busy for just random people along the way. For this guy in particular, who's not that important, because Jesus has important things to do. But Mark wants us to focus on, here is a man in need of Jesus' mercy, and Jesus stops and meets with him. He shows us that this son of David, this king of the universe, is willing to show mercy to those in need. Listen, you and I, we're Bartimaeus. We are Bartimaeus. We are not blind people here in this room physically, although we know people who are. But we are unremarkable people in need of mercy from Jesus. Our lives are fairly uneventful in the grand scheme of history. I think it's fair to say not many of us will be remembered 100 years from now, 200 years from now. We're a blip in time. And I don't mean to be Debbie Downer. That's just the reality. And yet, if the mercy of Jesus can reach this poor blind man on the side of the road who nobody really knows much about or cares about, then the mercy of Jesus can reach you and I in the middle of our lives. Jesus takes time for him, and he is willing to take time for us in our need, where we are, whatever needs are in our lives. We don't have to wonder if he's too busy for us. We don't have to wonder if God has more important things to do than to worry about our prayers or our needs or the things that we're wrestling with in our life or in our family or the little details in our life that just frustrate us to no end that we want help with and we we need to know what to do with. We don't have to wonder if Jesus cares about those things. Because here we see clearly, Jesus cares. 
He cares for this man in his need, where he is right there in that moment. And Jesus is not too busy for you. And he is merciful to meet you where you are. And you don't have to be afraid of Jesus either. Some of us have been shamed and condemned by people, even people who claim to follow Jesus, and we're afraid to put ourselves out there or to talk to people or to share what's really going on. And this reminds us, we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to worry that Jesus might not welcome us or that he'll condemn us because of who we are and what we've done. We can believe that he will welcome us and make us whole like this poor blind man, and like the woman caught in adultery, right? Jesus welcomes people in spite of their sin, in spite of what they've done, uh, they've done, and he will make them whole when they come to him. His mercy extends to every moment of our lives. You can come to him, and he will show you mercy in your time of need. So what is that? What's the need in your life? Jesus has mercy for you in that thing. And so we see that Jesus is near. We see that he is a merciful king. Then we see that we should sacrifice whatever necessary in order to come to this merciful king. It wasn't easy for this blind man to come to Jesus. He had to make some sacrifices. He had to overcome some real challenges in his life. Verse 48, many warned him to keep quiet. All right, so he, he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd says, be quiet. Leave him alone. You're bothering him. You're bothering us. All right, they rebuked him, just like the disciples rebuked the kids who wanted to come to Jesus. And, and earlier in the chapter, in verse 13, it's the same word. All right, nobody wants Jesus to be bothered by kids or a poor man in need. But that just shows that they don't really know who Jesus is. They don't want to, to see this guy that they're putting all their hope in to rescue them deal with other smaller people. And so this man had to overcome that. He had to overcome the ridicule of, of a crowd telling him to be quiet. And that would be easy for all of us to do, right? I mean, if, if you have all kinds of people around you telling you to be quiet, it would be kind of a, obnoxious to keep being loud. And it's easy to just go along with the crowd and kind of be quiet and stop talking. And let's be honest, a lot of us, a lot of us this is the reason why we don't tell people about Jesus at all. Because of the crowd that tells us to be quiet. And so we see that this man overcomes the opinions of the crowd and their doubts and all these things. And look what he does. He cried out all the more. I'm going to show you guys what I really want, what I really need. Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus responds. This man is clear. His hope is in Jesus. He's not going to be quiet about it. Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up. He's calling for you. Do you see the, the about face that this crowd does here? I mean, all of a sudden, they're, they're telling him to be quiet. Now all of a sudden, hey, you can, be, you can be courageous. You can go 
and see Jesus. Like he hasn't already been courageous when they've been doubting him. And so the crowd is just, they're just along for the ride. They're not actually believing, but they're just doing what Jesus says here. And so he threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. So this blind man, it's not easy for him to get up and walk. I mean, he can't see. And yet he makes the effort to get up and walk towards Jesus some distance. Because for him, no distance, uh, no effort was too much uh, for him to get to Jesus. And so we see then in verse, also in verse 50, this man takes off his coat. Now, that's a small detail that would be easy to overlook, but it's an important detail because that man's coat was his livelihood. Think about it this way. You all have probably been to concerts or a, a ball game, and you see a man on the, the street corner playing a guitar, and what does he have out in front of him? A guitar case or a bucket or something where people can drop in change? That's what this man's coat was. You take that away, he has no way to live. He has no way to keep any, he is dependent on the money that people around him will give him because he's blind. He has no way to make money himself. And so by leaving his coat, he's saying, I don't need this anymore. Jesus is going to take care of me. I believe that, that Jesus will give me abundantly more than this coat could ever provide for me. And he's willing to sacrifice the only safety net he had and come to Jesus empty-handed and say, Jesus, I'm trusting you with everything. With everything. Because he believed that Jesus was better than any earthly security. He was more secure with Christ than anything this world could give him. And this is really a pattern of a true, what a true disciple is. right? A disciple is somebody who leaves everything to follow Jesus. We've seen that in other places. The rich man was not willing to leave behind his wealth. And he left sad and disappointed and downtrodden because he didn't want to give it up. And he wasn't a true disciple. But here we see Bartimaeus, a man who was happy to leave behind the little he had to see Jesus, to come to him. You know, it's not always easy for us to come to Jesus. In fact, it usually isn't. This man had to overcome the opinions of people, the hardship of getting there, the effort he had to put in. He had to give up things that he had been relying on to come to Jesus. There's things that God calls us to give up to come to Jesus, and it's a sacrifice. But no sacrifice is too great if we get to see Jesus in the end. That's what this man believed. And the question is, do you and I really believe that? That no sacrifice we can make is too great if we get to see Jesus in the end? Can you say that you are honestly sacrificing anything for Jesus right now? This man reminds us sacrifices are worth it when we see Jesus in the end. And then we see that we should recognize ultimately that seeing Jesus is the goal. Seeing Jesus is the goal for this man. This man could have easily seen that the goal in his life was just to see again. 
was just to physically be able to see and then live his life. He could have wanted that more than anything else. But we see here that that really wasn't the case. He wanted something else more than physical sight. Verse 51, it says, Then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Now, this is the same question that Jesus asked his disciples back in verse 36 of Mark 10. What do you want me to do for you, uh, John and, and James? And the answer is very different, right? The disciples, when Jesus asked that question, wanted to be seen as great. But Bartimaeus just wants to be able to see, right? Rabbi, verse 51, I want to see. And James and John, see, are trying to secure their own glory, their own status, a seat at the side of Jesus in glory. But Bartimaeus, the blind beggar sitting by the road, just wants to see. He just doesn't want to be an outcast anymore. He wants somebody to welcome him that he can be with. Nobody wanted to be with blind, poor beggars in that day and time. They were treated as not good enough, as outcasts. I'm going to throw a little a coin in your bucket, and then I'm going to move on and pretend like I never saw you. This man just wants to be welcomed and not an outcast. James and John wanted stardom. Bartimaeus just wanted to be whole. And so we see how Jesus responds to this man. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. You see, in saying, I want to see again, this man is placing his faith in Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, I believe that you are able to help me see. You are the son of David. You are the Savior. And you, giving sight to the blind is not too hard for you. Because you care. You're the Savior. You're God's son. And so when, when he replies back and he says, go, your faith has saved you, this is a common response after Jesus heals people. But Bartimaeus responds in a unique way. Verse 52, immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. All right, so Jesus tells him, all right, you can go on now. You can go on your way. You can see. You can do all the things that you wanted to do that you couldn't before because you couldn't see. But this man doesn't do that. He doesn't just go away. It says he follows Jesus on the way. This is a picture of what it means to truly follow Jesus. When you are touched by him, you don't just go away after he touches you. You don't just live your life that you always wanted to live after you come to Jesus and do it your way. Jesus tells Bartimaeus to go his way, which has now become the way of Jesus. His way has changed. The story is about more than a physically blind man who gets his sight back. This story is about what happens when Jesus opens our eyes to see him. Bartimaeus is not just desperate to see physically in this story. He is desperate for a Savior who will make him whole, who will give him 
a life, a hope, a family, a future, all these things. He's desperate for a Savior, a God who would love and accept him when people wouldn't. With all his needs and even his sin. That's what Bartimaeus wants. And when he finds it, he is willing to lay everything behind and follow this man, this Savior, this King. Jesus proves that he is this Savior to Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus was most treasured his sight above anything else, then he would have just, at this point, moved on with his life. But it's clear that's not really what he wanted most. He might have thought that at various points in his life. Well, if I could just see, my life would be a lot better. But then he comes at some point to the realization that's not really all he wants in life. He doesn't just want this one thing. He wants something that encompasses everything, that gives him God. And so we see that he gets Jesus. He doesn't just get his sight. And he gets to be with Jesus. And he gets to follow Jesus. He gets to see Jesus every day. That's what he wants. So he follows him. He treasured Jesus more than just physical sight. This reminds us, people around us are looking for one who will never leave them. The one that, that they know will welcome them in spite of their failures and their faults and their shortcomings. You know, people will let us down. People will um, cast us away when they see our faults. As Christians, we are guilty of this as well. And this is something that God wants us to regularly acknowledge and realize, hey, we need to welcome people because Jesus has welcomed us in our sin. And Jesus is the one who will always welcome us. We can walk with him. Do you see Jesus like that in your life? Do you want Jesus or do you just want what he can give you? Do you really want Jesus? If everything else was taken away from your life, would Jesus be enough? It was for this blind man. In fact, he was willing to give up everything just to have Jesus. And that was enough for him. You know, as Jesus' people, we don't need to get angry at the need around us, the people with need around us, whether it's physical need, emotional need, sin in their lives. Instead, we should ask Jesus to produce a love and care for them in their need, knowing that we are no better, and so that we all might see Jesus in our need, to see that he's there, to see that we can follow him, and we can see him in our lives. So position yourself to see Jesus, to think on him, to look on him, to pray, to consider his word. Now I want to remind us as we close what that man at the beginning of the, the sermon today encouraged Pastor Kell with. He said, the journey ahead remains uncertain, but we know that we don't travel alone. You know, the blind man, he didn't know what the rest of his life would look like. He had a major life-changing event happen. He could see all of a sudden when he couldn't before. You can imagine how overwhelming that might be. And we all have major life-changing events that happen all the time. 
and things that come up that we don't know what things are going to look like down the road because of something that happened. The blind man didn't know what his life would look like, but he knew, he did know, that he could see Jesus. That's one thing he knew, and that Jesus would safely lead him to the next place, and to the next place, and to the next place, until where he got where he needed to be. And that was with Jesus forever. You know, you and I, we don't see down the road that far. We don't know what life's going to look like this, this upcoming year, five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now. But we can see Jesus right now in front of us. He's shown us the way. He, he promises to show us the way when we look to him when we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And that really is all we need. We don't have to figure out our whole lives. We just need to trust Jesus in the moment now, in every moment. But do you know Jesus like this? Do you know him as the one who is leading you in your life? Do you see who he is? Do you see his way? Are you more concerned about your way? Jesus is ready and willing to lead you if you will see him and follow him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are the God who heals a blind man. And you are the God who heals our blind and sinful souls. That you show us who we are while we are still sinners. You show us who you are that we can know you, even though we don't deserve to know you, when we've rebelled against you in so many ways, that you have called us to yourself and you invite us to see you and follow you. Lord, we praise you for this gift. May we not take it lightly. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.